Hello and welcome back to another episode of Fully Booked, the Hidden Gems author podcast in which Craig Touch and myself, Roland Hume, get to chat some, to some of the leading lights and interesting figures in this business we have of writing, self-publishing and not just self-publishing because today we have a very special guest who took a traditional route and we are here to find out all about her writing journey. So Michelle Paris, we are delighted to have you here. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, and, Roland uh, and Craig, for having me. Thank you. Oh, well, we are very excited to have you here. And of course, we wouldn't be here without the man himself, Craig Touch, the owner and founder of Hidden Gems and an author himself. How are you doing today, Craig? Great. Thanks, Roland. Thanks, Michelle. Um, welcome to the show. Yeah, you know, you, uh, as Roland said, you went sort of the traditional route. You've you've just came out with your second book now. Um, but, you know, or no, sorry, you're shaking your head. Is it not? You just have one, but the second one's about to come out. Right. Okay. So, <laughs> uh but what I'd like to, you know, what we wanted to sort of talk about is sort of the journey that that brought you to publishing and the decisions that went into um, going the trad pub route, because I know you had thought about self-pub, right? So that's one of those topics that, you know, never really gets old, because I think that we always want, everybody has their own story, everybody has their own path. And I love to hear the different paths, because it really helps to um, you know, show people how that how there are many different paths, and sometimes when they hear one that's even a little bit closer to theirs than than another one they heard, then it just helps you know them feel better about what the, the decisions they they've made or or help them make some decisions sometimes, right? So because certainly there's not one path to success, and although we are all about the self-publishing here, we're certainly not, you know, saying nobody should ever traditionally publish. There's definitely always reasons to do that. And I mean, if somebody came along and wanted to traditionally publish a book of mine, I mean, maybe I'd do it. Maybe I wouldn't. I'd have to hear the terms. But anyway, so uh, let's uh, let's start with you then. Why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and, and that first book that you got and sort of how things got got started? Well, sure. I, I, I'd be happy to. Um, so, my book, New Normal, launched on May 2nd, and um, it's loosely based on my own life. I was widowed suddenly at the age of 40, um, and I I wanted to put my thoughts into uh, – I, I write better than I speak, and I wanted to put my thoughts in, into words because I was um, dealing with a lot. And so I first started a journal, and um, – then eventually I thought, you know what, um, this might make a good story. And what I like to read are um, lighthearted women's fiction books. And um, when my husband died, I couldn't find any characters where the, the, where the main heroine was widowed. Most of them in middle life were divorced. And so I decided to um, write the the story that I knew very well. It was uh, um, loosely based on my own life and all the the uh, pitfalls of having to go back in the dating pool when you're uh, 40 and uh, you have a little bit of baggage because everybody does. And um, but mostly, I wanted to write a happy ending for myself because I couldn't see far enough in the future. And this way I could um, have a little bit of fun. <laughs> it's, it's funny. We just did a podcast um, talking about how writing can be such a therapeutic thing. 
for people struggling with with stuff we uh spoke to to a wonderful author and amy ziegler who'd like work through her own postpartum depression through writing and then listening to this is fascinating i when my brother died i wrote a whole book that was kind of like mm. crossing seeing the emotions for that and it is it's an amazingly therapeutic thing but people i uh, what has the reaction been from from readers because i imagine there are things that resonate really strongly you wrote yeah. the book that you were looking for yes and i will say um the question i get asked most is well, what part is real and what part is from your imagination and um, that's my best kept secret, right? I, I, <laughs> I, I did not write a memoir for a reason because um, I, I first of all thought I, I had a boring life. And uh, second of all, I was afraid of being too exposing, right? I think writing is exposure enough. I mean, you, you're putting your thoughts and your heart out into the world and um, it's a really terrifying thing to do. So I didn't want to compound that with having it be a, a true to life story. Um, but I agree with you, Roland. It was so therapeutic. It, it, um, even to this day, now my husband's been dead for 19 years, but I can still read passages in my novel that actually happened to me and it'll evoke emotions. I mean, I mean, that's the, the crazy thing when you, you read books, especially about people who might have passed on, you know, you're you're keeping them alive. You're keeping their memory of them alive through your words, which will hopefully live on long beyond you do. Yes, yes, yes. Um, and I hope my my book resonates with people. Um, I do know um, a few people who have been widowed and um, I've given them copies of the book um, because it, that was its true intent was to help people grieve and to help people um, uh, move on. What I really wanted um, when my husband died was I wanted someone to say, you know, everything's going to be okay. You're going to look back um, years from now and go, wow, that was really hard, but I'm in an okay place. And that's what I want to be for people. I want I want people to have that reassurance when they read the story. And sort of reading the reviews for the book, it's uh, like the the top review is like how it's incredibly relatable. It hits you right in the feelings. Um, there's another one about how yeah how the reader felt so many emotions while reading this book. So it seems like what you were channeling resonated with people who read it. Yes, I hope so. I hope so. And that has been, um, uh, you know, I went through imposter syndrome, which I think uh, a lot of writers go through. And when I got the first good review, it 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 really um, solidified my thinking and my confidence because, um, you know, it's one thing for your friends to tell you, "Oh, you wrote a great book," right? They have to tell you that, but strangers don't have to tell you that. Exactly. <laughs> And they won't. If they right. don't like it, they, they'll tell you that. But listen, you have 10 reviews and an average of 4.8, which is absolutely great. You know, nothing, uh, no imposter here. You're, you're the real deal. <laughs> right. Well, yeah, um, and, and your books just come out as well. Yes. May 2nd, yeah. you published it. Yeah. And that was with, uh, uh, that's a traditionally published book as well, isn't it? It's Loyola. Yes, it's with a princess house. And um, the unique thing about a princess house is it's a student-run press. So... Um, students learn the publishing industry and um, they uh, do it soup to nuts. They do acquisitions all the way to the, the print book. 
Um, and I have, um, I have a, a really um, emotionally positive feeling about them because I am going to be 60 in September, and these students have helped me uh, realize my dream. Oh, well, that's wonderful. Now, how did that come about? Because I mean, we often, we tend to focus on self-publishing, which uh, we think is great, but we sometimes talk to people who've gone the traditional route. How did you take this route? Because, I mean, Apprentice House is different to like going with Penguin or, or something like that. But, um, you know, all of the bits seem to have come together so tightly. So tell us about that. Yeah, so my publishing journey was very, very long. Um, it took me probably... Uh, 15 years to get the book into a form that I was proud and didn't want to change uh, a word or uh, um, you know, or any edits at all. Um, but that was a long path, right? Um, I took a novel writing class at our local community college and I met three other writers and we formed a critique group. And so um, uh, we started meeting monthly and we would give feedback to each other's work and that get, made me accountable. So I don't think I would have finished the novel if I didn't know every Tuesday, every once a month on Tuesday, I was going to have to turn in something that, and receive feedback. And it was a real encouraging and uh, trusting environment. So that was helpful too. We all wrote different genres, so there was no competition going on. Um, and so I started the traditional route when I thought it had a good product. And I queried, oh, probably close to 60 agents. Wow. And I got a positive response, I have to say. Um, I probably got about 12 to 15 full requests. So... I knew I was on to something, right? Like I, I knew that I had a compelling story because I would make it past the first gate. But um, I would take their feedback because at times the feedback was it's just not a good fit or it wasn't funny enough. I had someone tell me that. Um, and I would look at the manuscript again and, and either make edits or not. Um, and I was, the rest of the, the members of my group have, self-published. And so I have to say one of the reasons I hadn't was I was terrified by the process, right? Like I, I know um, you can buy books on it. Um, I, and I know all about uh, Kindle Direct. I know I read everything you could about it, but I was terrified. I was terrified to hit the button and put it out there. And I, I honestly can't explain why. Um, and it's, I got it. It's terrifying, right? Like, yeah. And listen, if you've never done it before and you're taking this piece of work that is a lot of you, that you put a lot of your time and effort into, that you identify as a, as a piece of yourself, right? You're yeah. put, writing is very raw sometimes, right? And then you're, you're, and you don't know anything about how the whole process works. I'm sure it's like, you know, you're going to hit publish and screw it all up and you know do something wrong and yep. everything will be messed and and it's just so much easier if somebody's saying to you hey just give it to us yep. we'll do it all for you i yeah. i completely yep. understand that <laughs> it was it was all that fear and everything i i got an isbn number i had a cover design i mean i was literally just a click away from from uh being a self-published author and um I wanted to do it right, and uh, I know marketing is a big chunk of the process, so I, I researched that as well. 
And I, I reached out to a publicist on Reedsy and, um, you know, she was very frank about, uh, we don't take on self-published authors and, and it, it, it was a little gloomy of a perspective, you know, the whole, you can expect to sell 10 books and those are only to your friends kind of thing. Um, but she said, have you thought about sending it to a small press? And I went, oh, well, yeah, okay, let me exhaust that option first. And that's what I ended up doing. And so um, I I sent uh, the manuscript to about 10 small presses and Apprentice House said they loved it. So <laughs> that's why we're here. <laughs> well, I mean, that's a pes- I think that's a, a pessimistic view of self-publishing because obviously you can be successful in self-publishing. I think, and one of my writers group um, partners is very successful. Um, she uh, does the Amazon ads. She's, she's, and I even took the Amazon ad class. I mean, I was, as I tell you, I was very, very close to doing it. I was just intimidated by the process. Um, and so I know you can have success as a self-published author. Um, and uh, I, I see it every day with um, the people I surround myself with. I just have to say I was afraid of the process. Well, I think I think there's something to be said for you can be you can be a writer, but to be a successful self-published author, you also have to be a publisher. And yeah. sometimes people don't want to do it's that. It's a business. All, right. It is yeah, a business. Yeah. And also like my personal experience, I published 11 books wow. before I had my first bestseller. Oh, so it's wow. like you have your book, which is important to you. You want people to read it and you want to get it right first time. I think in self-publishing, it is impossible to get it right first time. So yes. I can definitely see the appeal of wanting to go the traditional route for something and that is so... I don't even so... think in self-publishing, it's... Uh, I, I think in traditional publishing, it's hard to get it right the first time, right? Like, I I, I um, look at my book now that it's out, and I go, oh, gosh, I would have changed this, and I would have changed that. Um, but I'm learning as I go. And I've also learned that um, the arcs are critical. And I think they're critical for everyone, right? Um, it doesn't matter if you're a traditional or self-publisher. It really um, will boost your sales if you can get an advanced copy in people's hands and give the, the book away and um, create a buzz around the launch day. Yeah, I mean, reviews are really important from the sense of, you know, showing people it's it's always like that social proof, right, that other people have read it and other people have enjoyed it. Because when they're looking, especially at a new author, trying to decide, should I take that chance? If nobody else has, has left a review, it's such a, you know, it's such a gamble in some people's minds to, to spend their not just their money, but their time on something that you know, maybe it was written by ChatGPT, you know, they don't know. Right, right. right. So, uh, so yeah, no, I, I, I agree. And, you know, you don't need a ton of reviews, but even just having a few, if somebody's looking at two different books and trying to decide between them and one doesn't have reviews and one does, you know, often they'll choose the one that does have reviews. I mean, unless, yeah, obviously, I unless they're that. terrible reviews, but, but yeah, right. Yeah, yeah I, so, I, I'm one of those people who reads reviews for everything. And yeah. so they matter. They do matter. Yeah. And you don't listen. I mean, it's important to get, um, you know, we're saying about like, yeah, you're not going to probably get the first book right uh, in terms of the marketing and, and, and hitting the ground running and all that stuff, regardless of self-published or traditionally published. But it doesn't really matter, right? Because if it's a great book and you're going to continue writing, if your success comes in a few years after book three, after book four, 
people will still find that first book. Yeah. Right. Right. You know, right. I'm, I go back and I read, if I discover a new author that I like, I'll go back and read their older books. I mean, right. you know, obviously to me, it's like, it's like a gold mine. It's even better. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Cause then it's like, they have all these other books they get to read. Yeah. I had I- someone recently say to me, Oh, well, after launch, then then you don't sell any more books. And I said, oh, no, that's not true. Uh, most of the books I read are not new, right? Most of the books I read have been out for several years, and it's either I stumbled on them as an author in the genre that I like to read or someone's referred them to me. That's, that is interesting. I've noticed when uh, I've published a new book, I normally have that, you know, that book sells a lot of copies, but the first book in my series sells equally as many copies when I mm. publish each new book. Right. Right. Yes. Yes. <laughs> so, okay. So once you decided, you know, the small press route, um, you, what did you do? Did you just send it out to, was this the first one you contacted? No, I sent it out simultaneously to about 10 small presses. Um, and so that was the fall of 2021. And slowly rejections came in, okay, <laughs> being 100% transparent. And I, you know, I, I, I'm a, I, the rejections sting, okay, they're, they're, they, they never get easy. Um, but uh, I just persevered. And um, because Apprentice House is tied to a academic calendar, um, they, their decision process was, um, in the spring of 2022. And I, I remember when I got the email, I have a Apple watch. And so I get emails and read them when they come in. And I thought, here's another rejection. Right. And I had to read it a couple times to realize it was not a rejection. And it, you know, it was validation and it, 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 it was just this feeling of, of a decade long dream. Right. I had been thinking about uh, first writing a book for ever since, uh, for, since I was a, a young woman and then publishing. So it, it, it was like the, the it, it was just the greatest feeling. It really was. That's wonderful. You know, it's it, it's funny, too, that, you know, you say that it was kind of the fear of self publishing that kept you from, you know, pushing that that button. Right. But on the flip side a lot of what keeps people from going the trad pub route and myself included, it was that fear of rejection, right? Yeah. The fear that you're going to send your book out, like with, with self-publishing, there's no fear of rejection. Amazon yeah. take whatever you want. Right. So you hit, you hit publish and, and there's no rejection at all. I mean, sure. Maybe people won't buy it, but you can have lots of reasons why that was the case, you know, oh, yeah. it wasn't my book that was bad. I just, I'm not a good marketer or, you know, whatever. But right. when you send your book out to a traditional publisher and they reject it, that hurts. And that's a feeling that I think a lot of people just choose to avoid by going the, the self-publishing route. And so yeah. you're, you kind of went that way knowing that you're going to have Well, that. you know, here's the thing, right? Uh, I, had, I had to reinvent myself when my husband died. Um, I look at my life in two segments, before and after. And... Dating when I was in my 40s, I had to deal with a lot of rejection, okay? And so I won't say I got good at rejection. I got better at rejection. And I, I could 
normally find something positive in um, in in some of the rejections I got from literary agents. You know, sometimes it it, it was very I could equate it very easily to online dating. Like, gosh, this person looks so perfect. This this agent represents my genre. She's looking for something that'll make her laugh and cry. Oh my God, she's gonna love my book, and she rejects it. Right. Um, so I would say that I would allow myself to be upset. And if I wanted to eat ice cream, I ate ice cream or whatever <laughs> I needed to, to get, pull my pants up and move on, I would do. Um, but I, I wasn't, it, it, it definitely stung. I will say that. And it would knock me down for a little bit, but I would always get back up. I, I believed enough in my story um that I, I could do it that's great yeah the self-confidence and which is i think the most important thing for that sure yeah yeah, yeah so but... you've got another book you're you're already I and mean, what's your your plan now you've done it once what's your plan as an author yeah wow so um uh so the contract i signed with apprentice house they got the first right of refusal for uh, my next book. So I turned it in and I was really, really hoping they, they wanted it too. And they did. So um, the way the process works for them, it's like a year long process. And we just finished developmental edits last week, actually. So I was launching my first book and working on my second book. And sometimes the characters would get mixed up in my head and um, <laughs> the story would get mixed up too. So I don't recommend that. I will say that. Um, and then in the fall, we'll we'll design the cover, and it's it's a collaborative effort. They take my input, um, and I expect to have some arcs maybe in January. So that um, you know that sort of takes me back to the first book and a few questions I have around you know that process because you I know you mentioned that when you were before you went the small press route I think you said you you got it edited and you got um you got a cover made and all that stuff right but when you signed with them I imagine they wanted still want to do their own edit which is understandable they probably also wanted to create their own cover right yeah so um they they took my input on the cover and I was allowed to reject the first couple covers they came back with because uh, I just didn't didn't feel like it fit what I was looking for. Um, I I what I told the the artist was I wanted um, the cover to depict the the main character's new life as being chaotic but sweet, and so I, I there's the the character adopts a dog and the dog plays a, a, a big role in the book and. So the, the artist came up with the idea of, oh, let's feature the dog. And I, I said, I love it. I, I just love it. So once we agreed on um, sort of the theme for the cover, then the, the iterations were, were, were really simplified after that. It was just basically color and um, um, the, the font for the, the words and stuff like that. So. The cover looks really it's interesting will you go on about how important covers are covers are almost yes. like a dress code at the yep. moment our drawn covers like yours are a really solid staple of like the kind of cleaner kind of uh more um wholesome type romance thing so your publisher picked a very very congruent cover that looks like it belongs 
in amongst all of the yeah, the and it, it romantic books. It's a lighthearted story, and I, I wanted that to to be the case. Um, and I, I do remember early on meeting with the publisher, and they said, "We will listen to your input, but we are the professionals, and you you, you have to kind of keep that in mind." And uh, um, I I couldn't be happier with what what the end product came out to be. As far as edits are concerned, they they made minor suggestions because by the time I had sent it to them, as I said, I I didn't want to do too much developmental editing to it. Um, I didn't think it needed it, first of all. Um, and uh, I wouldn't have been down for like a total R&R. There's just no way I would have done that. So I was glad that the suggestions they made were more to for clarity purposes. Like when they read through it, they would say, um, uh, this this isn't uh, clear enough. You're, I, we know what you're trying to do, but this this isn't clear enough. And um, just little tweaks here and there. So I was grateful for that too. You said the book took you sort of 15 years in publishing. If you don't mind me asking, you know, I'm, I, your, your husband passed away 19 years ago. When did you start writing and what was the process of writing your book like? Okay, so... Um, I kept a journal after he died. Um, I I went to grief counseling right away, and a therapist suggested that that I keep a journal. And um, so I started that way. It was more of a um, like a diary kind of thing. And then um, I'm sure you guys are like this too. I'm always writing in my head, right? You know. I, yes. Doing the laundry, I'm writing in my head. If I'm at the grocery store, yep. I'm writing on the way to the grocery store, writing and so in the shower, <laughs> in the everywhere. I mean, I'm just always thinking about scenes and, and characters, and uh, especially once I have a first draft, right? Like then, it's always about tweaking and making it better, and uh, and uh, making sure that it's believable, right? And I can't watch a movie without wanting to rewrite the script. It's just something I have inside of me. Um, so that's sort of how the process started. After I took the novel writing class, then I started uh, doing chapters. And um, it took me probably three years to get a really, really rough draft. Um, and then I had to go back and, and uh take the feedback that I received from my critique group and input that. And I, I thought I had written the next bestseller and I'm saying that sarcastically. And I sent it out to a, an editor who gave me 16 pages of feedback. Right. So uh, I put it on the shelf for probably a year, 18 months because the, the feedback was too painful to hear, but the feedback was right. And I had to wait until I was ready to deal with the feedback. And so then I went back to the story and the story kept calling me back, right? Like the characters did, the, the, the story arc did. And so I, I just kept going back to it and going, I, I am going to do this. I am going to do this. Well, good for you. Yeah, and I think that's normal. You know, a lot of people will a lot of people will just put the first draft away for a period of time, even before they get to edits, just to give it time in their minds. But certainly, you know, the idea that getting those edits back is sometimes tough. 
<laughs> you know? yeah. And it's worse, I'm sure, with a story that's super personal, right? Mm -hmm. But, um, you know, it, it's, it's, it's very, very common that people will, you know, they'll see those and they'll just like, uh, it doesn't mean they're not right, but it still kind of you know, hurts and no uh, that's that's fine but so but with the new book though you didn't go through all that process right so you did all those things and that's why they didn't really need to do a lot of editing uh, yeah I'm sure the, you already with, did it, but. with the new book um i i wrote it after i finished new normal um and i did send it out to to a an editor that i use and she gave me some feedback and it probably took me maybe two years to, to get it to a point where I felt comfortable and proud of it. And, um, so they, they, they sent me back some edits, as I said last week, just finished them. And, um, you know, some of the edits I didn't necessarily agree with this time. Um, and, and some of the, the other edits I think made the story stronger. So. <laughs> well, that's always a good thing. I think one of the most, most important things for a writer to be successful is to be able to take from feedback the valuable stuff but also disregard the stuff that's less valuable i mean some people yeah. might not like things and sometimes the bits that you leave in that your editor told you not to are the things that make your book special to other people i think you're absolutely right really really stand by some of my stuff <laughs> Well, in terms of like the marketing side of it, what does the small press do for you um, around so they, all that? And what do they expect you to do for Yeah, um, they, uh, they expect the writer to do a lot of the marketing. Um, and so I had all the research I had done when I was planning to self-publish. And so um, I sent them a marketing plan and they um, added to it. Um, so they had like podcasts and they had, um, uh, contacts at, at the local paper and I have a background in public relations. So, um, I was familiar with, um, the press releases and stuff like that. And I luckily have a friend who is still in PR. And so she got me on a feature story in the local Baltimore sun and she got me on the channel to news and um, on the NPR radio station. So um, I think what helped with my book was there was the personal hook um, and the whole um, the, uh, bit about wanting to help people deal with grief. So that was. So, so they gave you a marketing plan saying, but not not like the actual execution that was up to you. They were like, go on podcast, <laughs> go do interviews. Um, <laughs> yeah. So they did um, uh, volunteer uh, student to to help with the marketing, and I I I waved them off. I go, you know, I I think I got this, and um, I do know some of there in the cohort. There were there were 25 books that they published this spring and I do have a friend who wrote a memoir and she hired a PR firm to the tune of like 20 grand to um, promote her book. And my book was promoted more than hers. Okay. Oh, well that's, I mean, it, it, it's funny as there's this intangible and this je ne sais quoi that works for some books and doesn't for yeah. others. I think if I didn't have the, the personal hook or the grief angle, I, I, I think my second book is going to be much, much harder to promote. Um, it's just a traditional um, 
rom-com kind of book um, that doesn't have the personal element, but I'm hoping that having two books out there, you know, as you said, people will go back to the first book and, and build on my audience that way. I mean, that's how it works. You think even J.K. Rowling didn't, you know, she yeah. didn't become big until she'd written three <laughs> right. or four books and then everyone. You know, was, I actually have um, that that scenario in my first book because the, the main character um, quits her job to write a book. I did not quit my job, by the way. Um, <laughs> and so someone tells her, do you think uh, J.K. Rowling um, knew she was going to be J.K. Rowling before she became J.K. Rowling? Um, so, yes, I, I, I agree with you. Everyone has to start somewhere. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I did quit my job to write. But, the, oh, <laughs> you. but, but well, but, well, I, I went on a leave of absence, actually. In this. <laughs> but, I um, <laughs> but yeah, like, I mean, what I get, I guess, you know, one of the things that always sort of bothers me about how traditionally published books nowadays are working is the idea that, you know, they are expecting you to do all of this stuff. And yet they're still taking their big, big percentage. Yeah, you know? no, you're, you're absolutely right. Uh, it, it, it really is very similar to self-publishing that you have to market your book um, when you go with a small press. That the, it, you you've got that absolutely right. Um, I feel Apprentice like from, yeah. Oh, I was just going to say, Apprentice House sounds like a really nice place to to have your book published with, and yeah, it's almost it's been, closer it, to self-publishing than yeah. The big I I agree. It's been a great process, and for me, it was just it it, it was it was kind of validating right like um i as i said i had that imposter syndrome and i thought i i you know uh, I, my writing isn't good enough and then once they accepted it i went oh wow okay <laughs> yay <laughs> yeah i get i and i'm not saying anything about this particular you know publishing house i think they're all sort of working this way now i, I guess my my problem is is that you know they're still taking you know most of the money and then no, giving true. the author a, a very small part of it and and I'm, I sometimes fail to see what the benefit is the, that they're delivering other than we could get you into bookstores. No, the, yeah, the, there's that benefit. The other benefit is I didn't, uh, it, for my second book, I won't have to pay for a cover. I won't have to pay to have it formatted. You know, all of those right. come with but those it. Are, but those are fixed costs, right? And yeah. you, you recoup those costs by the fact that you get, you know, 65% of your money <laughs> as opposed to, I don't know what percentage you're making, but I'm assuming far less than that, right? It is so, less than that. And the contract right. is tiered. So once you sell a certain number of books, they give you more of a percentage. Well, that's good. That's yeah. good at least. Yeah. 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 I, I, I don't know. I guess I'm sort of jaded. I, I kind of feel like it's, it is nice. I mean, sure. I would have loved to like walk into a bookstore and see one of my books, but I, didn't want it that much that I was willing to give up, you know, all of the other stuff. And and I think to me personally, it would have been um, less motivated. I would have been less motivated to put a lot of time, effort and expense into marketing a book that was going to make someone else richer than it was mm. going to make. Well, uh, here's the thing about about my publisher is they're not out to make a profit. Right. They're out to teach students the process. So it's a little different. They're they're very open to handing out copies. Right. Um, they give copies to all the libraries. 
Um, so it's a little different than um, the the for profit. Right. I, I like that a lot because it's uh, so publishing is publishing has evolved and changed so much in the last few years. And it's kind of something like that enables young people to to bring in their new perspective on how to be successful with the stuff that you can't replicate. Because, I mean, Craig and I, we've been in this business for such a long time. <laughs> and as successful as you can be, there are obstacles like how do you get your book at a bookstore? And for a self-published author, that's really, really difficult. I mean, I've been talking to like supermarket chains where you can buy 200 copies and maybe they'll sell them, maybe they won't. And it's like mm. the traditional publishers have that kind of buttoned up. And that's one of the things. Now, places like Apprentice House, they really are opening up and expanding publishing to a new generation who might revolutionize the industry just like self-publishing did. Yeah, I think so. I think it's unfortunate that uh, bookstores don't uh, promote local authors. I, I wish that, that it wasn't. I wish it was easier for people to get their books in the bookstores. Yeah, I remember we had, um, I don't remember if it was on the podcast or if I had talked to an author about it separately, but uh, one author that I spoke to um, was talking about how she took a whole bunch of copies herself to Costco and, and mm -hmm. got Costco to actually take her, uh, her book and put it on, you know, in the middle where they, where they put the books. And mm -hmm. I, I think it even, you know, did a good sell through, but I am, um, then her publisher just didn't want her to keep doing it for some reason. Oh. <laughs> I can't even remember why. And it was just, it just seemed so, it didn't make any sense to me. And I was just, yeah. but you know, if you're having a good experience with them and you're happy enough to, you know, sign up again for a second book yep. then that's great. And like we said at the beginning, there's no one path to success. Everybody's going to find their way and the, and what works for them. And I think that, you, you know, what this is working for you, you're happy with it. And it might be something else that uh, something that other people will also be happy with. A lot of people probably are in that same situation where they, they want to get it published, but they don't want the headache of all the other stuff. Yeah. And so they just want to take it and maybe a small press like, like this. And we've had a couple of small press uh, publishers on, on the podcast as well, talking about sort of that process. Um, you know, maybe that is better for them. And I think different small presses do different things for people. I think it's great that yours is doing, you know, they're trying to teach, um, teach their students how to go through the publishing process and all that stuff. That's great. Yeah. yeah that's kind of their hook. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I've been pleased with the process, I have to say, and it's mm -hmm. taught me about the process too, right? You know, as I, as I said earlier, I had this immense fear. I really did. Um, but, uh, I know what to expect with book two. Um, and I also think if I ever do decide to self-publish, I know the business a lot more too, right? So, um, it's just given me a, a foundation. Yeah, and it wouldn't be a hard, hard um, transition for you, I don't think. You know, because you because so. you actually did all those other things yeah. before you before you signed with them, right? You had, you had your cover done and you had your editing done yeah. and all that stuff, and all you really did have to do was hit publish, and then you would have still done all your mar marketing. You yeah. just wouldn't have been in the bookstores. How are, have you been selling a lot of you know books in bookstores? Um, yeah, uh, I did a, a signing at Barnes and Noble um, the weekend after. The book launch and it sold out actually that's great, um yeah. yeah i the the one thing i don't have um 
a lot of information on yet is how many books are being sold. Um, Apprentice House is putting together a dashboard, so eventually we'll be able to to have real-time data on that, but they don't have that yet. And the other thing I'm going to say, you know, in full transparency, like I don't get my royalty check until April of next year. So um, it, it's not like a, a, a instantaneous, you know, you sell a book, you get get a royalty check. I have to wait wait a year for that. Well, even Amazon, I'm, you know, you get it. It's it lags behind uh, mm-hmm. sales as well, right? 60 days up to month's end. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I think, I mean, to me, like the people listening to this, hopefully there are going to be, you know, we have people all in all different stages of publishing and hopefully there are going to be lots of people who maybe haven't pulled the trigger yet. They've had that same like paralysis and, and this is a different route you could take finding an independent publisher because I mean, we've had podcasts before where we've talked about, you know, if you don't want to do it all yourself, Traditional publishing is one option, but an independent publisher, a small publisher these days can can bring you the best of both worlds in a certain way. And there are there are disadvantages like for me, I love being able to access all of my sales data instantly at the same. But then again, you know, I've 11 books that failed before I had my first bestseller. So I, <laughs> I, I spend a lot of time and a lot of money getting to the stage where that information is useful to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, the, uh, it's a it's a learn as you go process, isn't it? And everything changes. And now with with ChatGPT and everything, you know, I I, I worry how that's going to impact writers. Um, I, I, I I've been terrified of that. You know, here I am. I I will tell you one funny story. Now, as I said, I'm going to be 60 in September, and my very first job at a PR firm, they had a fax machine. And I remember being terrified of the fax machine. So, you know, I eventually get over my fears and so you have <laughs> and a just... good history of being scared of technology. That's <laughs> right. <laughs> I totally do. I totally do. Chat, well, chat GPT is scarier than a, than a fax machine for sure. Yeah. But, but you know, I don't think that we're at this this age yet where um, it's going to replace writers. And I've said this before that I think it's going to be the writers that embrace you know, the technology and learn to work with it are mm-hmm. going to have the advantage over, you know, the authors that, that sort of bury their head in their sand or fight back against it. Because, um, and I think that that's going to be sort of the, you know, the, the, the push and the pull is going to be twe- not going to be between authors and chat GPT. It'll be between authors and authors that use chat GPT, you know, yeah. you're, like, you're going to give yourself a leg up. I, I, I hope you're right. Um, I just worried that, uh, publishers will go, uh, we can crank out a book in, um, you know, uh, 10 minutes and it takes you two years to write it. Right. <laughs> I don't think it can. I mean, how could you write a book, you know, a, a widow entering a dating pool in her early forties, right. how could you write a book authentically? Like how could an AI write a book like that? It can't, yeah. I mean, it can yeah. churn out stuff, but I think the stuff that emotionally resonates with people. I don't think AI is ever going to be able to do that to the same degree. And if it yeah, does, then and, then we're all screwed. And but. really, I mean, what are they saving, right? Like you're saying, oh, you know, we can get you, we can get a book in, in two minutes. Uh, no, but, they're not. But, they're, they're, but not. They're, they're the ones that are taking a year to publish it. You already right. gave them your book and they can't publish it for a year. Who's the bottleneck? It's not you. Right. They, right. they have manuscripts coming in all the time. They don't have to wait 
for an author to write another book. They just get another manuscript from another author and they're the ones that are taking a year to do it. So, yeah. you know, and they're not paying the authors much of the money anyways. So, you know, saving it on ChatGPT, I don't think would, would really do much. So I, I'm not that concerned about that. I think that, you know, it, it, we'll find ways to to work with it and to to help us improve. You know, you might be able to to not have to pay as much to your editors because you can do a first pass through, you know, some kind of AI, that, that kind of thing, but that'll just save you money. And, you know, not that all editors are going to be out of business, right? But I certainly wouldn't say that you should only get it done through that, but their jobs might get easier too, because they might still have to do a full edit of a book, but it'll be just cleaner because they yeah. first ran it through ChatGPT. Who knows, right? There's yeah. just, there's, there's ways that I think that it's not really, maybe one day we'll have to worry about it uh, from that perspective, but I think, you know, it'll probably take over the world long before it would take over writing. <laughs> I'm nice well, we to hope. my we'll have to watch. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> now, unfortunately, we are running out of time, so we have to wrap this up. But, Michelle, it's been so delightful speaking yeah, to you. Yeah, it's been And great. hopefully lots of people listening to this find find what you've said and your story really, really inspirational. I appreciate the time, and it was nice chatting with the two of you. So uh, before we wrap up, where can people find New Normal and, uh, and what you're working on next? So they can find New Normal um, at Amazon or uh, Walmart, Barnes & Noble, bookshop.org, and Target. Um, and my next book will come out next spring. Um, my website is uh, www.michelleparisauthor.com. That is wonderful. We'll make sure to, to drop a link down below. Uh, Craig, do you have any final words before we wrap up? I don't. Um, uh, I uh, Well, actually, I am going to say one thing. Always believe in yourself and your story. That's the best advice I can give writers. That is uh, fantastic advice. Great advice. And normally I would say, you know, if you had to do it all over again, would you, would you go the same route? But we already know, you know, <laughs> since you've signed up for a second book with them that you would. So that, that answers that, right? So thanks again for, for coming on and chatting with us. I think it'll be really helpful for people to, to hear your story. Okay, thank you. Have a good night. Oh, well, thank you so much. And uh, yes, to everyone watching this, if you have enjoyed what Michelle has to say, make sure you let her know. Drop a comment down in the comment section down below. While you're down there, if you haven't already, make sure you hit that subscribe button. Click that bell icon for, for notifications of every episode of Fully Books when they come up. And we'll be back next week with another episode. So until then, stay tuned. <laughs>